What if I told you that in the Bible there was a story, a true story of a donkey who speaks? You'd think it was a little bit bonkers, I presume, but there it is in Numbers 22, the story of a donkey who speaks. And if we get over the initial shock of such a claim, we might realise that it's no more ridiculous than a story about a talking serpent, or indeed the story of a man who dies and later rises to life again. In the Bible, there's the story of a talking donkey. What if I told you that in the Bible there were two stories, two true stories of donkeys who speak? Now, those of you perhaps who have been in church longer, who are a bit more familiar with your Bibles, you're scratching your heads and you're asking the question, what on earth is Sam on about? I'm on about Luke chapter 19, where we find ourselves today for Palm Sunday and the story of Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Let me read it to you. Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem and as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, his owners asked them, why are you untying this? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. And this is what they sang. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, it's not literally a story of a talking donkey. And yet, if we've got eyes to see it, that donkey speaks volumes. I wonder what springs to your mind when you think of donkeys. In our modern context, in our modern culture, there are probably certain attributes that we associate with a beast and sometimes with people when we call them a donkey. Um, attributes like being stupid, attributes like being stubborn, perhaps the attribute of being smelly. When I think of a donkey, the, the image that I have primarily in my head is of a beast bearing the burden of children seeking to enjoy themselves at the sea, on the sand. Perhaps if there were Americans tuning in, the idea, the image of a donkey brings to mind for them a certain politics, a certain political party. And yet none of those are the pictures, the ideas that this donkey is intended to portray. And to portray a certain idea, I'm confident this donkey is supposed to do. 
After all, Jesus orchestrates the whole event, doesn't he? When he's about to arrive at Jerusalem, when he's about to enter in, he stops and he makes sure that he gets to make this final part of his journey on the back of a donkey. Which actually is strange. Jesus has walked everywhere or at the very least taken a boat everywhere. This is the first time we read of Jesus utilising an animal to go somewhere. I'm certain that Jesus, the, the prophet, is living something out, is acting something out, that his actions are supposed to help us to see and to understand some sort of truth. And I'm reasonably certain as well that the people who were there, the people who witnessed it, understood exactly what it was that Jesus was trying to communicate. How am I so confident? Well, because in what they cry out. Because they cry out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In other accounts of the exact same situation, people are recorded as saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna. You see, the people saw Jesus coming in on the back of the donkey and the first thing they thought of was the coming of a king. Now, Luke expects us to get that. Luke expects us to understand that. Matthew, one of Jesus's um, contemporaries, one of Luke's contemporaries, who wrote of the triumphal entry himself, wasn't so optimistic in our knowledge of these things. And so he includes in his account... Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 is a prophecy about what God is going to do and this is what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. I, says the Lord, will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bows will be broken. He, this king coming on a donkey, will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. We might also go to other stories of kings travelling, of one of the greatest king in the nation's history of King Solomon. David's son, who inherited the crown, but not through fighting, not through war, not through uh, retching it from the hands of a deceased opponent, but through peace, the peaceful transition of power. And in 1 Kings chapter 1, Solomon is recorded as being the king who goes to claim his crown riding on a donkey. And so you see, this donkey speaks to us. This donkey speaks volumes to us and Jesus intended it to do so. And it tells us that this is the story of the king come to claim his crown. But it says an awful lot more to us than that as well. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see, this donkey speaks even more. Firstly, it says this to us, that this king comes in peace. You may have noticed that in the Zechariah reading, but peace is a really important part of what that king on a colt, on a donkey, speaks of. You see, the, the two beasts that they could ride, the war horse, which was a symbol of uh, military might and power and authority, or there was the donkey, a symbol of peace. In that Zechariah reading, 
peace was a big part of it, wasn't it? The king coming, righteous, with salvation, proclaiming peace. And in his wake, not the strewn dead corpses of his enemies, but the removal of the weapons of war, the vehicles of war, and peace from that place to the ends of the earth. In the story of Solomon, taking the crown from his father, that transition of power is perhaps the most peaceful transition of power recorded in Israel's history. It wasn't with a mighty steed, uh, flanked by armies with sword drawn that he entered. It was humbly and peacefully as a king. And so we might ask the question, what is the peace that we need? What peace is Jesus bringing for us? The Bible answers that question in, in a number of ways. It says that, well, there's hostility that exists between mankind, humanity, and God. There's a hostility, there's a fighting that goes on within each and every one of us. That there is enmity between you and me and everyone else. That we as a race are fighting with each other. And indeed that we're at war with the world that we live in. It is trying to defeat us and we are wrecking it. Happily the Bible says that in each of those spheres in each of those examples Jesus brings peace that we don't need to be called enemies of God any longer but that we can be called friends of God even children of God that that war that rages in each and every one of us can finally be done and dealt with we can find for ourselves and in ourselves peace because of Jesus that the suspicion that exists between all people can be erased because of Jesus there can be peace there and yes ultimately that there will be peace between us and the world that we live in the creation that we inhabit Jesus was one a king says this donkey who was bringing peace in all of these ways but secondly it speaks of the king who brings a sacrifice because peace is like that final part of the puzzle isn't it after war has been raging for a time, peace comes because of the action of another. And the donkey carrying Jesus into Jerusalem speaks of a sacrifice that is going to be made. Earlier in the Bible, in Genesis, there is the story of a father and his much-loved son. And a donkey who is loaded with the resources needed to make a sacrifice. It's Abraham, it's Isaac, there's wood, there's fire perhaps, even the child himself is placed on a donkey and, well, they go off to make the sacrifice happily. God intervenes and says, no, don't kill your boy, kill this lamb instead. But it speaks to us of sacrifice and that's exactly how Jesus viewed his coming into Jerusalem. That he was going there with a purpose. He'd, he'd not made um, little of the fact that he was going and he was going to be betrayed and he was going to be murdered and he was going to rise to life again. Jesus chose this donkey because it spoke of a sacrifice being made by the king. Paul picks up on that in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 he writes this, that God is reconciling to himself all things through Jesus. All things, whether on earth or in the heavens, by making peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. 
The donkey speaks of a king bringing peace through sacrifice. And a costly sacrifice at that as well. One of Jesus' closest friends, one of the people who perhaps went to fetch this donkey, wrote this. That it's not with perishable things like silver or gold, things which rust, things which fade, things which crumble away, that we are made right with God, he said. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, a sacrifice without blemish. The king comes as a sacrifice. So the question for us then is, well, how do we earn that? How do we achieve that? How do we buy into this scheme of being at peace? Well, the last thing the donkey speaks of is of a gift, of a present, of something that is freely given. There are numerous examples in the Bible of donkeys being used this way, of them being saddled, being loaded with with, with riches and treasures and special foods and being given away. Joseph does it when he's about to welcome his family into Egypt. He, he loads loads of donkeys with as much goodies and treasures as he can and he sends them off to his father. Abigail does it with David when her husband has said some uh, really daft things. She, she loads up a donkey with gifts and sends them out to meet David and, and peace is settled upon. And here's what Jesus wants us to say. Here's what the donkey says, that this king is coming in peace with a sacrifice. And all of that is a gift to us. That it's not something we can earn. It's not something that we're expected to pay for. But it's something that we can freely receive. That the king brings the gift of peace bought by sacrifice. I did say that the donkey spoke a lot, didn't I? Even without saying a word. It's all there for us to see if only we have eyes to see it. But here's the thing about gifts. You don't have to accept a gift. You can reject a gift. You can return a gift. You can say, I don't want it. I don't care about it. It's not for me. And in Luke's story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, that is how so many people treat this king coming on a donkey. He records the fact that the Pharisees say, Jesus, rebuke your disciples, tell them off, shut them down for saying such a thing. They didn't want anything to do with this king. He wasn't the king that they expected. He wasn't the king that they wanted. He's not the king that they were going to accept. And for you and I, that is an option. We can reject Jesus as our king if we want. We can continue to live our lives as he's not, as if he's not who he truly is. But where does that leave us? Where does that leave you and I if we say no to that gift? Well, it means that we're still at war, whether we know it or not. That's a strange thing to think about, isn't it? That we could be at war and really not aware of it. At war with God, at war with ourselves, at war with one another, at war with the world that we inhabit. Unless Jesus is our king, come to bring peace through sacrifice as a gift to us, we're still at war. And really the only solution that we have is to try and to earn peace for ourselves, perhaps even through sacrificing ourselves. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't bring us anywhere near nearer God. It doesn't bring us 
the peace that we need inside. It certainly doesn't make us less suspicious of one another. And it leaves us with the only hope of this world not doing too much damage to us. In fact, if we try to pursue this peace on our own, it just leaves more destruction and death in our wake. But the good news is that Jesus said, come, come to me and find peace freely and fully. That's an offer for each and every one of us today. Just one final thought, because I know that there are plenty of people tuning in who have already decided to accept this gift, who have already decided that Jesus is the king who brings peace, uh, that it's not through anything that we do to earn it, and we love that. We think it's awesome. It's completely and utterly changed and transformed our lives. One final thought. There were lots of people who saw Jesus on the donkey, the king coming, who took off their coats, who laid it on the floor, who cut down palm branches, who tried to make that red carpet for him to enter. But yet within four or five days, less than a week, they weren't crying out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were crying out, crucify him. The king had come and he had disappointed them. They recognised that he was the one who had the power to deal with, with all the problems that they faced. But how he chose to do that really disappointed them. They wanted Jesus perhaps to click his fingers, to speak his words, to inspire a revolution that would have Pilate kicked out and the Romans running with their tails between their legs. But Jesus didn't. Jesus was a king who wielded his power and his authority and his might in a totally different way. I wonder sometimes whether we who have recognised Jesus as king, who understand the power and the authority that he has, whether we can sometimes be really disappointed in him as our king. Because in our minds, in our hearts, we've settled for a way that he could and has to act. We've decided what the most pressing problems are and how he is going to deal with them. And then he acts differently. He surprises us. He comes not on that war horse, but on that donkey, humble and low. He does actually that which is more important, but because it doesn't match up with our expectations, we're left disappointed. I wonder if we can learn this lesson this Easter Sunday, something which we can meditate on and put into practice in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. Learn to trust our King, that he knows what's going on, that he's large and in charge, and he knows what's most important. He knows the best way forward. All those crowds wanted someone who were going to come and knock the Romans' teeth out. And Jesus was one who knew that actually what was needed was for him to come, for him to be struck, for him to be beaten. That's how he was going to achieve ultimate peace, by sacrificing himself. I wonder whether we need to really honestly take that look at ourselves, that long look at Jesus, and to humble ourselves like our king and say, you know best. I think we can all think of ways in which Jesus has disappointed us when he hasn't wielded his power as we would see fit. 
I guess my challenge for us this Easter is to come to him humbly and to ask him, Lord, how are you at work? How are you wielding your power in my life? How are you wielding your power in the life of the church? How are you wielding your power in our community over the last 12 months and in the 12 months to come? What does that look like? What will that look like? Not our will be done, but but yours. I wonder whether this Easter we need to learn to trust our King most fully. Lord God, we thank you for the donkey. We thank you what the donkey speaks to us, that the king has come. The king has come to take his throne, to take his crown, and it's a glorious scene. Because the king comes to bring peace, to give peace. The king comes to offer a sacrifice, Lord, and all of this as a gift. Help us to accept it, help us to embrace it, and help us perhaps with new eyes to see and to trust that king. All the more fully, we pray.